0: Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer.
1: Okay, Boomer. Okay,
0: Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay gang, I'm Robert Rickman. A few weeks ago, I spotted a woman curled up next to a plastic box of her things. I think she was homeless, and though I couldn't see her face, she might have been a Boomer, because too many Boomers are retiring to the streets.
2: So yeah, it's, it's a very bad problem. The, the homeless population has exploded in Southern Illinois and that's just not here, it's nationwide.
0: That's percussionist Kevin Lucas who will be performing a fundraiser later this month for the homeless. We'll hear from Kevin later in the program. And keeping healthy also involves exercise. Walking on a treadmill, texting on your smartphone. Actually some of us would rather text and skip the treadmill. But what would you think if there was some place to talk and walk where you could actually see interesting things and you'd be talking to real people?
3: We take our time. We emphasize that we're saunterers, we're not hikers. Essentially what that means is um, we're going to go more slowly. Uh, We're gonna stop and take pictures.
0: In the middle of the pandemic, Christy Weaver organized a group called Shawnee Saunterers for those over 50. The group frequently sauntered through Shawnee National Forest. We'll be talking with Christy, right now. Uh,
3: In March of 2021, right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, people were, uh, you know, kind of trapped inside and I was looking around um, on various Facebook pages, websites, and so forth, and I didn't really see where there was um, a group for people my age um, who could get together and and do some hiking and enjoy the outdoors uh, at a time when there really wasn't a whole lot else we could do. Um, And uh, so I decided I would just create the group. And it really took off. Um, It's it's grown beyond my wildest expectations.
0: What date did you start the group? Um, What year?
3: uh, This would have been March 23rd of 2021.
0: And you told me it grew to a size of...
3: 1,300 members in eight months. Um, When I originally started it, I thought perhaps we'd have maybe 200 members at the very most. Um, And just overnight, it just exploded. You know, word of mouth got out. People started enjoying it and telling their friends. And the next thing I knew, I was, you know, dealing with over 1,000 people. So um, it's been an incredible experience.
0: And, of course, you're hiking in southern Illinois. Now, people, as I mentioned, think of Illinois as Chicago and corn and soybeans. What's different about southern Illinois?
3: Well, we have the Shawnee National Forest here. Um, I came down here in 1989 from the cornfields of normal Illinois. And uh, my initial experience with the area was, um, was was mostly hiking in Giant City State Park, which is really a beautiful state park, but I had no idea what was beyond Giant City. Um, We have another state park here, Ferncliff State Park, and so many other areas, Bellsmith Springs, Jackson Falls, Burden Falls, all these really terrific places all over down here. And so many people have commented who come from places like Chicago that that when they go into the Shawnee Forest, they can't believe they're in the state of Illinois because they just have, no context for the things that we have down here. You know, they're they're used to, like you said, either concrete or cornfields. And so this is just a whole new world down here.
0: Now, in this brave new world, let's take a baby boomer who is retired and... Uh He or she really doesn't want to do much, and they're going to the refrigerator periodically, uh, eating the popcorn, maybe a few beers. Oh, a cake came in, and then you eat the whole cake or the pie or whatever it is, and they're starting to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And I've been through this myself, where when you get a little heavier, you don't want to move. What would your advice be to someone who is in poor physical condition to start just to get started
3: well you know we have hikes that you know are for people with different skill levels and so some of our hikes are um for beginners and you know so they don't have a lot of hills or a lot of distance to them and the terrain's uh, fairly easy to navigate but um I started out by walking around Campus Lake at Southern Illinois University, you know, just to kind of get in shape and to to build some endurance. And so just walking on flatter surfaces and increasing your mileage over time is helpful. Uh, and then signing up for some hikes where, you know, we're hiking one, maybe two miles at the most. And uh, when I post hikes on our Facebook page, um, I always am very descriptive so people know what they're getting themselves into. You know, so for example, if we go to a place uh, that's more challenging like the Little Grand Canyon, I let folks know this is a really difficult hike and you should only do this, you know, if you're in in fairly decent shape. Um, so. I don't want anybody to get out there on the trail and be surprised or or have some kind of emergency. So we try to to keep folks aware of of what they're getting themselves into, but also um, not just in terms of Physical health, but I am a mental health therapist, and uh, the Japanese have this concept of what's called forest bathing. And so, from a mental health standpoint, I can see how it's been tremendously helpful to people, particularly you know during a global pandemic where people are feeling very isolated and getting depressed and anxious and so forth. Just being able to go out into nature and to allow yourself to be nurtured by nature uh, is just an incredible thing, and I have seen people really benefit from that uh, from a mental health standpoint, too. So all the way around, I think it's really impacted uh, people's well-being and just, um, you know, we're wired to be in nature, you know, yet most of us live in, in urban areas and so forth. And so it's kind of like that, that old expression, you know, that, that going into nature is like going home. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been terrific. It really has.
0: So not only could people who have a lot of experience hiking do this, but they can join and go on a really easy hike just to start off to get back into shape.
3: That's correct. Um, And we do have a lot of uh, members who, you know, maybe they've just had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're out there and they use two poles. We take our time. We emphasize that we're saunterers. We're not hikers. Essentially, what that means is um, we're going to go more slowly. Uh, We're going to stop and take pictures and it never fails. In every group, we've always got someone who's a tree expert or a plant expert um, or who's familiar with the history of the area that we're in. And so we've always got interesting conversations going on and we're all learning from each other on these hikes. And so, um, but 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 I do emphasize that we're going to slow down and take it easy. We're still physically fit for the most part, but um, uh, we also don't want to do anything too over the top it might result in somebody getting injured. So so we do take our time, sure.
0: You showed me the definition for Sondra. Could you go over that?
3: Sure. The term came from a John Muir piece that I read where he was explaining where the word saunter was actually derived from. It's actually a French word. He says, hiking, I don't like either the word or the thing. People ought to saunter in the mountains, not hike. Do you know the origin of the word saunter? It's a beautiful word. Way back in the Middle Ages, people used to go on pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And when people in the villages through which they passed asked where they were going, they would reply, a la santerre, to the Holy Land. And so they became known as santerres or saunterers. Now these mountains are our Holy Land, and we ought to saunter through them reverently, not hike through them. I think that's a pretty good Uh, description of what we do as saunterers we take our time we take in all the beauty around us you know Um, many of us like to practice the the buddhist concept of mindfulness while we're out there and so we're just in the present moment we're we're not focused on the past we're not focused on worries about the future we're just out there enjoying what's right in front of us
0: well as a mental health expert I can understand why you're doing this, because physically you see people who are in in good physical condition, they're not as depressed as people who are not.
3: That's correct. Um, I always emphasize in in my line of work, you know, that you're a mind, a body, and a spirit. And if one of those things is out of whack, it tends to throw the other ones out of whack as well. And so this is a way to improve your your physical health, your mental health, and your spiritual health all at the same time uh, in nature. Christy
0: Weaver, and Christy Weaver uh, was on the air about about six months ago, and uh, she uh, talked to me about uh, Shawnee Saunters. I joined it. I've been taking uh, little saunters around Campus Lake. It helps me out. I might be all bummed out about something, and then uh, take the saunter, and about an hour later, I'm feeling pretty good. And the um, theme of health continues with the news. Boomer News on OK Boomer. I'm Robert Rickman. Let's talk about teeth and cognitive decline if you don't take care of them. Yep, researchers in Japan have found a connection between tooth loss, gum disease, and shrinkage in a region of the brain called the hippocampus. The hippocampus is involved in memory. The study results imply that in some cases, it might be better to lose diseased teeth to preserve not just the health of gums, but the health of the brain as well. The findings of the study of 172 people over four years don't establish causation, but association. The participants, all aged 55 years or older, took memory tests at the beginning of the study, and the researchers collected data on each participant's medical history. These results highlight the importance of preserving the health of the teeth and not just retaining the teeth, says geriatric dentist Satoshi Yamaguchi of Tohoku University. And now let's go from teeth to water. Water in the brain, not on the brain, in. Now, most of the human body, as we know, is water, about 60%. Visualize this. Your brain and spinal cord are both floating and surrounded with fluid. So watch your posture as I sit up. Researchers at Naigata University in Japan have studied mice and found that the neurons in this fluid, in effect, tune your brain and nervous systems to behave in certain ways. The scientists say humans have a brain spinal cord system similar to mice. So if you slouch like older people are prone to do, better sit up, these neurons neurons floating around in your brain and spinal cord, in effect, memorize your poor posture and encourage you to slouch. But if you are ruthlessly proactive and stand up straight, then the neurons will cooperate and it will be easier to maintain good posture. So stand up straight after you exercise. This from Wikipedia. The neurobiological effects of physical exercise affects brain structure, function, and thinking. Research has demonstrated that consistent aerobic exercise, we're saying about 30 minutes every day, induces persistent improvements in certain thinking functions, healthy alterations in genes in the brain, and improved neuroplasticity and behavioral plasticity. Hard to, to pronounce that stuff. So what is it? Well, we're talking about all this plasticity, it's flexibility in thinking as opposed to being set in your ways like we become or tend to become when we get older. Now, some of these long-term effects include improved stress coping, enhanced control of behavior, improved memory, and improved brain structures and pathways associated with cognitive control and memory. The effects of exercise on thinking have important implications for improving academic performance in children and college students, improving adult productivity, preserving thinking in old age, preventing or treating certain neurological disorders, and improving the overall quality of life. But some of us have to go to nursing homes, and some of our parents are now in nursing homes because of their health. This from Medicare. Whether you're planning ahead or need to make an unexpected decision, there's a lot to think about when choosing the right nursing home for you or your loved one. When comparing nursing homes, check out their overall star ratings. Their overall rating is based on a nursing home's performance in three areas, health inspections, staffing, and quality of resident care. A view detailed staffing data, including the staffing levels and turnover rates, and find nursing home contact information and directions. And if you have any questions, visit Medicare.gov for more information about nursing homes and what Medicare does and does not cover. Now I am on the list there, so that uh, came as an email that information. Now here's something that people, well, in Southern Illinois, might kind of wink at. Uh, We're going to talk about something that. Some people aren't particularly fond of uh, Chicago. Well, Chicago is sinking. That's right. The city of Chicago is sinking, albeit slowly. Northwestern University scientists have determined that Chicago has heated up an average of more than five and a half degrees since the mid 20th century. And underground structures are seeping heat, making the ground shift. And Chi-Town is not alone because the silent hazard is lurking underneath our major global cities and our buildings were not designed to handle it. A new Northwestern University study has, for the first time, linked underground climate change to the shifting ground beneath urban areas. As the ground heats up, it also deforms. This phenomenon causes building foundations in the surrounding ground to move excessively due to expansions and contractions and even crack which ultimately affects structure's long-term operational performance and durability. Now, think about that next time I'm on top of the Sears Towers on the 100th story. Anyway, researchers also report that past building damage may have been caused by such rising temperatures and expect these issues to continue for years to come. Now, although rising temperatures do pose a threat to our infrastructure, the researchers also view it as a potential opportunity. By capturing the waste heat emitted underground from subterranean transportation systems, parking garages, and basement facilities, urban planners could mitigate the effects of underground climate change as well as reuse the heat into an untapped thermal energy resource. So it looks like there is a, uh, a gold interior to that bleak-looking cloud. But we want to get back to bleak. Homeless, homelessness, Homelessness. Homelessness among older adults is increasing, as we've said before. And we noted that, uh, oh, I don't know, a few months ago when I talked to uh, some officials in uh, one of the places that's designed to help people uh, with their, um, their aging. Anyway, among single homeless adults, approximately half are ages 50 and older, and almost half first became homeless after age 50. Adult ages 50 and older are homeless or are experiencing health conditions including cognitive and functional impairment 20 years earlier than their housed counterparts. They often use costly acute health care services and die prematurely. Ending homelessness among older adults will require increasing the supply of affordable housing, targeted prevention efforts and expanding permanent supportive housing adapted to older adults now there's a person right now who is working on trying to help older adults in southern illinois and we're going to hear from him right now
2: i play marimba and percussion percussion is a very wide um statement but it's it's a lot of instruments in, in the percussion family marimba is my main instrument though
0: And playing these instruments, you are going to play them for a very special occasion. What is that occasion?
2: Two concerts are coming up. They're fundraisers for uh, local homeless shelters. The first one is uh, the 23rd of July at Alto Vineyards from 2 to 5 p.m., and that's a fundraiser for the Good Samaritan House. The second one is going to be Saturday, July 29th, 2 to 5 p.m., at Blue Sky Winery, and that is for the Carbondale Warming Center.
0: Now, there have been some real problems funding these organizations that take care of homeless, and as I mentioned before, some of the baby boomers are retiring to the streets. How bad is the problem here in Southern Illinois?
2: It's really bad. Um, I've noticed, and I'm sure many locals have noticed, you just see more homeless people out on the streets. And I've seen a lot of baby boomers um, and I've seen people as young as 20 years old on the streets. It's crazy. Like before the pandemic, it was rare to see a young person on the street. And now you see them all over the place. And, and you're right, baby boomers, you know, are just retiring on the streets. And a lot of them just ran out of money or, or the economy's bad with inflation. So, yeah, it's it's a very bad problem. The, the homeless population has exploded in southern Illinois, and that's just not here. It's nationwide. We, but I, we can't fix the world. We can just do what we can do here.
0: Well, I understand that uh, some of the surrounding communities are shipping their homeless to Carbondale.
2: Yeah, you know, I've heard that, too. And... um the, the reason they're shipping them here is because they think Carbondale has all these these resources that we we can take care of them. We do have resources, but you know, we don't have enough. And like my view it on it is that every city needs to do its part. And I'm not going to name any cities here and there, but any local uh, cities around Carbondale need to hold their weight. So it's like, you can't not take care of your homeless and just send them somewhere because you don't want to deal with them because you think Carbondale will take care of them because we're Carbondale is amazing. We have two homeless shelters and, and we try really hard, but they're short on funding. We don't have enough resources to take care of all of them. So I'm a believer that every community in Southern Illinois, every city, has to take care of their own homeless and do their part for us to have a you know a strong um, Southern Illinois with you know, trying to control the homeless population and and have as few of them as possible.
0: Have you been to any of these shelters to take a look at them?
2: Yeah, I have. Um, And they're very low on funding. They're overrun with people. Like Good Samaritan House has too many people that they can accommodate most of the time. Most of the time they're overfilled and they don't have the money and the resources. And they try to accommodate everyone, but it's really difficult when, when you're real low on funds and you're you know, and you can't buy enough food. And the warming center here in Carbondale, um, they're founded in 2018, and they have the same issues to where they can't feed everyone that comes in the door. And, you know, it's just we need more help, and that's why I'm having these two concerts. It's to help Carbondale. And, you know, we're happy to take care of any homeless person um, from that come from outside cities, because they're human beings at the end of the day. So I put the blame on those cities who are unwilling to take care of their own homeless and they just ship them here because they don't want to deal with them. It's not the person's fault, it's, it's the city that sent them over here.
0: And in addition to baby boomers, uh, I understand a few years ago when I lived in Tennessee, I knew a couple of schizophrenics. Uh, one guy was uh, pretty normal until he got off his medication. And I think for a while he was homeless. So I assume you have uh, people who have mental health problems, including psychosis, going to those um, those shelters.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A large percentage of people in homeless shelters um, have mental issues and, you know, they can't help. You're bipolar, you're born with it, you develop it, or schizophrenia and they can't hold down jobs, and, that, and that's the big problem. They can't support themselves, so they end up on the street. So it's like, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but we have a huge mental crisis, obviously, if you read the news in this country, and I think we need to start addressing the, the mental crisis and, you know, helping these people um, get the, uh, the support and the, their needs met you know, But the problem is, if you look at the United States, they have cut so much funding for uh, mental health nationwide. I mean, it, it is just dry. So these people are just sent out on the streets who need medical attention, who have severe mental problems. They're just sent out on the streets. And, and that's why it has just exasperated the homeless problem.
0: Have you written any music about this?
2: I have written music inspired by it. We watch the rise of the
1: ocean. The sun and the moon take chase. But they're no longer the problem. And do one as peace? We know that they'll never open. As long as the gold is me. Take our rights how we want them Did someone takes save me?
0: Kevin Lucas, and he was performing the song that inspired him, and the the inspiration came from homelessness. He's seen it all before. Now, Kevin will be appearing at two homeless shelter fundraiser concerts this month. The first concert is a fundraiser for the Good Samaritan House of Carbondale and will take place Sunday, July 23rd, 2 to 5 at Alto Vineyard in Alto Pass. And the second concert is a fundraiser for the Warming Center of Carbondale and will take place on Saturday, July 29th, 2 to 5, at Blue Sky Vineyard in Macanda, Illinois. Let's see here. Oh, time to get up. No, I've been sitting up straight like I recommended during the newscast, but it still hurts. And we're going to take a walk to the coffee pot. Then we're going to take a walk with Anna. That's next, after our walk to the coffee pot. So we're walking along here and, ooh, July 14th. When's July? Oh, that's today. 7.30, Grown Ups Night. And they're going to present, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Jaws. They're going to have the movie Jaws at the Super Splash Park, 625 South Giant City Road. Let's get the coffee going. Yeah, I remember seeing Jaws that Scared the Hell. Okay, free summer drama camp, July 17th to 28th at Anna Arts Center, 117 West Davy Street, Anna, Illinois. Brad Stamp will direct the drama camp, and you'll learn all the aspects of the theater from acting on stage to designing sets. No prior drama experience is required. The camp is dedicated to provide affordable, accessible training for any student seriously interested in learning about the acting process, set design, and lights and sounds. First week will be during the day, 8 and 12 till 12. And if you need any more information, uh, contact Lee at 904-625-1109. 904-625-1109. Oh, the coffee's ready. We're going to try it out on our WDBX official mug. Mmm. Janice Paul, station manager, said, I cannot drink coffee unless I'm drinking it out of the official WDBX mug. Okay, now we're going to take a walk with Anna, uh, but that walk actually took place about six months ago. And uh, when I was exploring the radio station one day, I found the WDBX telephone booth. Yes, I found a telephone booth right behind the coffee machine, and it was a strange morning. Yeah, it rang. So I'm going, what in the white? And I opened the thing up, and it rang again. And I said, "Hello."
4: Hi. What is this? Is this Anna? <laughs> this is definitely Anna.
0: Well, how did you get the phone number to the radio station?
4: I looked it up on the
0: internet. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, I just saw a note on the phone that says Anna's calling. Oh, I put that note on the phone. It's the COVID brain fog again. Well, Anna, how are you doing? What What are you up to in Houston? I'm taking a walk. Walking through your neighborhood, I assume? Yes.
4: Although I'm headed for a neighborhood bayou.
0: A neighborhood bayou. Well, considering it's Houston, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, do you often take walks? Because I've talked to you on the phone several times, and uh, many times you're walking.
4: Yes, I try to take a walk every day. I count my steps, and I uh, was starting out with about 5,000 steps, and I'm working my way up. Uh, this week I've done really good. I've, I went over 8,000 steps. I averaged 8,000 steps a, a day.
0: Well, that's a lot of steps. How, how far is 8,000 steps for you? I don't know. <laughs> couple of miles, maybe?
4: Maybe. I'm thinking more a mile
0: and a half. Wow. Now, we went to school together back in the 1970s, so you're not 39 anymore. Darn. Would it be okay if I were to tell your approximate age? Why don't
4: we just leave it that we both went to school in the 70s and let them figure it out?
0: 70 to 74. Okay, so why do you... Count your steps and why do you do a lot of walking?
4: Well, I want to stay in shape and I am no athlete. I mean, I'm not interested in marathon running. Um, I like swimming, but it's a hassle washing my hair and drying it and everything afterwards. Um, I don't mind riding a bike, but the last time I rode a bike, I had an accident. So I just, I'm just sticking to walking. And I figure if I walk some every day, um, my insurance company gave me a pedometer back in the 90s, and that's when I started walking, and I've been pretty pretty good about it ever since.
0: What's the purpose of it? Are you doing it just to look at the trees and flowers, or is there some other reason?
4: Well, I guess there's multiple reasons. Um, one is to stay in shape. Sitting, I mean, it would be very easy for me to sit around and be a couch potato, but while I might enjoy that, my body would protest after a while. And I've found I have gone to the gym and I have found in a hurry that um, I would much rather walk around outside than on a treadmill. So, yeah, I have some appreciation for walking around outside, seeing the change of seasons, seeing how the neighborhood changes during the seasons. And especially walking around by the bayou, I get to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of wildlife, some some turtles maybe or some cranes or herons or egrets so all of the above how is your health now i guess it uh, it's good for my age i mean i have the health problems i have ha- are more to do with like vision problems and hearing problems i don't have any problems with blood pressure that's for sure and i'm not diabetic or anything like that and my weight is, is reasonable. The insurance company t- has a, a, a nurse come to my house to do a, a, a check, and she says my body mass was right at where it was supposed to be. My body mass index is right where it's supposed to be. So really,
0: aside from things you can't control, problems maybe with the eyes, hearing, something like that, you can't do anything about it, the things that you can control, meaning with exercise, are in control. Yes. Yeah. And There are other things you're doing. Uh, you go to a lot of meetings for various reasons and you're keeping uh, physically active and mentally active, even though technically you're retired or taking a slight vacation.
4: Yes, um, I go to support groups. I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in support groups. Um, and I go to them several times a week. And I volunteer a few hours a week uh, at at the women's shelter. And that keeps me what I call involved and active. And I am near the bayou right now, and I'm seeing two beautiful egrets. They're standing all straight and tall and pretty.
0: Wow. So you're combining something that's pleasurable with something that your body really needs.
4: Yes. Yes, I figure if I... I found in her uh, again doing jumping jacks and calisthenics and stuff like that. I'm not that interested. It, I find it boring after a while. Um, I have thought that another kind of exercise I might get interested in would be dance, music and dance. Hey, yeah, that could be fun. And I realized if I need to, if I'm going to exercise and stay in shape, I better do something that's at least halfway fun. At least it's not boring.
0: Well, I've talked to some people uh, who are couch potatoes and they don't like the idea of exercise. I, as you remember, when we were going to SIU, I used to run 10 miles a day. You went on one of my runs on a bicycle.
4: And I was exhausted after riding that bike 10 miles, yes. I remember
0: that. 50 years later, I get almost (laughs) exhausted walking from the parking lot to the gym. But I do it anyway. I don't like doing it. I don't like weightlifting. I don't like any of this stuff. But I do it for the same reason you do it is because you want your body to stay together as best as you can keep it given your age, which is 39 and a half for you, right? 70 for me. Right. right. Okay. What is your advice to somebody? And I'm sure you've seen somebody or somebodies in your life who sit there and watch the TV who get up, walk all the way to the kitchen to get some potato chips out of the cupboard and doesn't want to do anything else. What is your advice to these people?
4: I would say start by walking, even if it's just start, if it's just walking to the end of the driveway the first week and then maybe the second week walk a little farther than the driveway and then the next week walk a little farther than that. Um, And while you're walking, you might want to be thinking about what kind of uh, exercise might be fun for you, you know. Um, Maybe uh, you'd rather ride a bike, or maybe you'd rather, I don't know, use some of those workout machines at the gym. Some people enjoy it. I don't, but some people do. Um, Maybe it's a jazzercise class or yoga or something like that, but just be thinking about something that might be fun as well as moving your body around. Um, I know for me, I would probably not stick to walking or dancing or anything like that if I didn't think it was fun.
0: What about the pork rinds, the potato chips, the ice cream, the whipped cream, and all the other things some people like to put in their bodies? You don't do that, do you?
4: Well, I don't gorge on it, that's for sure. Um, But I do have some. Well, I've talked to people like in... um, Oh, shoot. What do they call it? I've talked to people that have uh, food disorders and they'll say st- they'll tell me stuff like, you know, if you don't eat any of that stuff, that's when you're most likely to binge. So, you know, I've, I try to limit my white flour and white sugar. Um, but I do have some. I just try to make sure it's not a whole lot. I might have some ice cream. I might have some soda. I might have some, uh, oh, I don't know, but I just have to make sure that it's not a whole lot and just be careful how much white sugar, white flour I eat. And I watch how much uh, how much fatty foods I eat. And there's still a lot of tasty stuff out there that's not white sugar, white flour, or fatty. I find instead of chips, I might eat nuts. Yeah. And apparently the, the fats and oils and nuts are supposed to be good for you.
0: Um, I eat a lot of nuts myself.
4: Yeah, popcorn is not as, uh, it's a snack and it's crunchy, but it's not as uh, heavy duty as as chips.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, Anna, have a nice walk in Houston near the bayou. Uh, It was a pleasure talking with you and call the radio station anytime you want.
4: Careful when you say that.
0: (laughs) Okay, bye-bye.
4: Okay, thank you.
0: That was live and direct uh, about a year ago from our WDBX telephone booth. Nobody knows why it's there, but what the heck. That was Anna in Houston, and incidentally, and she's not going to like this, Anna was my girlfriend in the 1970s. But she married someone else, fortunately for her. Okay, boomer. (laughs) Okay, kid. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at a film, a film review. I reviewed it. But it's not a new film. It's a very old film. It's in Technicolor, in a very special Technicolor. And it's about a convent, but it's a horror movie, but not the type you might think. Well, look at Black Narcissus when we come back. Hi,
5: I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. The world is dark enough. So we like to keep it fun and light.
6: Join us for 30 minutes of fact-filled fun every week
5: on the Off-Ramp Trivia Podcast.
6: You'll hear fascinating facts about history, music, discovery, weird
5: animals, and
6: everything in between. Including little-known facts about well-known people. Each week, right here on The the Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show.
0: Are you an aspiring author looking to get your book published? Look no further than Tech Time Publishing Company. At Tech Time, we specialize in bringing the best books to readers everywhere. Our team of experienced editors and designers work closely with authors to bring their stories to life, ensuring every book is of the highest quality. But that's not all. Tech Time also offers a unique service to translate and narrate books and revenue sharing. This means that our talented team of translators and narrators will be compensated with a share of the book sales. So whether you're an author, translator, or narrator, Tech Time is the place to be. Join our community of book lovers and let us help you bring your stories to the world. Visit our website today to learn more. That's techtime.it. TechTime. Dot it, And if you're looking for a first-class Italian translator, check out Laura Squigna. It's spelled S-G-U-I-G-N-A. Laura Squigna, and you can find her on the Tech Time website under translators. Now, we're going to be... Um, looking at a movie review uh, of a film made in the 1940s it was in technicolor and it was a special type of technicolor, almost like a rare Rembrandt painting Uh, this film stars Deborah Carr and it's called Black Narcissus it starts out ominously Where are we now? Well, we're on top of a mountain in the Himalayas, about 9,000 feet above the ground. And this is a nunnery, and it's also a school, and things aren't going very well for one of the nuns. All
1: snares of the enemy.
0: Sister Claude is approaching the door of this other sister, and she's a little bit worried. As you can hear, it's a very crafty place knocking on the door no answer
1: sister are you there
0: yes she's there we know she's there we can see her standing there
4: sister do you want me to wake the others
0: oh well sister was not wearing her white habit
4: You have nothing to do with me anymore. I know what you've done. I know that you've left the order. I only want to stop you from doing something you'll be sorry for. Sister Philippa is going back in a few days' time. I want to send you with her. That's what you would like to do. Send me back and shut me up. That's what you would all like to do.
0: Mr. Philippa, who was the one standing there in a red dress and bright lipstick, uh, and she decided to leave the order. Now, you could hear all this spooky music. This was 9,000 feet above the ground, and you could see this red lipstick in such a bright bright color that you just, you, you don't seem film doing that anymore. You know, if they were to take a picture of you, Candy, well, you're pretty much, you're you're dark. You've got black hair and all, but the point I'm making... That's brown. You know, if it were shot in Technicolor, you'd see that? (laughs) Three-strip Technicolor. This film was made in three-strip Technicolor. Now, you're sitting there going, Who cares? I didn't say that. I'm just sitting here listening to you. I can see you. what your brain. Oh, come do. on. You want to
3: get in a fight? want to? You want to no, no, pick a fight with me? Okay, let's go okay, you okay, know okay, what? Just, all right. That's it. That's put, it. Put come on. Put down. Come put on.
2: Down. Put, let's put, do this. Put, put the do knuckles this. down. Hey, hey, hey.
0: I'm from the great city of Chicago. We're going to put a comment. I'm from Detroit. In. Detroit. <laughs> Listen here, sunshine. Okay. Now, let's let's get back to Technicolor. <laughs> yes. Okay. Technicolor was three strips of film. They were all black and white in the camera. They went through a filter, and each one represented the primary colors. Mm-hmm. They were developed, and they were still black and white until the film that you saw in the theater, and they put the dye on. And, it, and the color is unlike anything you will ever see in your life. And if you buy the DVD or rent it like I did, because I'm cheap, you will see this thing in fantastic color, color that you don't see anymore. I'm big on Technicolor. Anyway, this is the story of five Anglican nuns. Now, you went to a Catholic school, and I went to a Catholic yes, school. Yes, I did. Fortunately for the Catholic religion, it was not the same school. Anyway, these five Anglican nuns, and the difference I see is that the, the cross they wear, it's not not a crucifix. It's just a cross. Anyway, they decided to establish a an order in a remote, faded palace, formerly a whorehouse, which <laughs> really doesn't seem to be appropriate. <laughs> And it was donated by a thoughtful general because it was his. Uh, The sisters are quickly overwhelmed by the privations of this place, 9,000 feet up and perched on a precipice. And you can see that quite graphically in the film. The locals are suspicious at best regarding the nuns' curiosities will soon vanish. Poof! The local government agent, Mr. Dean, that's played by David Ferrer, upon whom their existence demands is sarcastic and more disturbing, Sexy. Now, this is in 1947, in his walking shorts and no shirt. You'd like that, Candy. (laughs) As one of the sisters says, the whole atmosphere is strange, frightening them with images like the silent holy man on the mountain, tempting them with worldly pleasures, suggesting more exciting ways of living in the world than his brides of uh, the Almighty. Anyway, this uh, cinematographer, he decided he was going to shoot this film like it was an old uh, painting and that's what he did that's that's why even if you're not big on stories like this and incidentally this is not a story just about nuns this is is actually a horror movie oh because okay. one of the nuns goes absolutely bats the one with the red lipstick yeah red lipstick in the in the red dress well, she probably was
1: you know needing something and yeah. hadn't had it
5: for a long yeah, time well,
0: probably never did and uh, <laughs> she was looking at the uh, mr. <laughs> mr dean and um, he was looking at mr dean and anyway this was back in the late 40s and it was a big watershed moment for british films because british films were always you know upper upper you know keep it a, the study fella you know that type of thing and now they're actually getting into sex
1: Yep, so, anyways,
0: yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. So so that is uh, a film I recommend. It's called Black Narcissus, and Narcissus is a perfume. Black Narcissus, and it was made in 1947, and it's a fantastically uh, well-produced film, and I recommend that you see it. All right. Okay, now. Okay, Boomer. Okay, thanks to Candy Gunn, for stepping in with me and reviewing it and yes i do have a black eye she beat me but you know that's the way it goes all right let's change the subject to the off-ramp bob and marcia smith will be talking trivia and but i'm going to give you all the answers do you have your pen and pencil ready here we go the eiffel tower number one wc fields number two Number three is the Underground in Chicago. Number four is Flipper. And number five is the Green Bay Packers. Right, Bob?
6: Well, Marcia, what historical artifact is kept in a climate-controlled vault at the National Archives in the hopes that one day its secrets may be unlocked? What item? Yes, It's a physical item.
5: Is it an Egyptian thing or a United States thing? It's It's a
6: United States thing. It It dates from the 1970s.
5: 1970s? It has a number on it, 342. Is it from the moon? No. No? Is it from uh, Deep Dig? What is it? It is the White House tape
6: number 342. (laughs) <laughs> From the Nixon Presidential Administration. Now, we recently had the seven-hour gap in the records for President Trump on January the 6th, 2021. This is about the famous tape with the 18-minute gap. Right. And the Nixon administration it covered up what was believed to be a conversation about covering up the yeah. Watergate break-in. Exactly. Well... They tried to decipher that. Oh, and they experts. think that
5: maybe someday they will.
6: That's right.
5: Fascinating. They
6: think someday technology will catch up with this problem, and they may be able to pull out the oh, conversation. That's cool. In 2003, the chief archivist concluded, I'm fully satisfied we've explored all the avenues to attempt to recover the sound of this tape, but we will continue to preserve the tape in hopes that later generations can try again. To recover this vital piece of history, so it's kept in a climate-controlled vault in the National Archives, preserved with the hope that its secrets may one day be unlocked.
5: Okay, Bob, if you have termites, why is it bad to play rock music?
6: It's bad to play rock music for termites.
5: Yeah, if you have them in your house.
6: Oh, it must agitate them.
5: Actually, they like it, so they work faster and more (laughs) diligently. More efficiently. Yeah, they eat wood twice as fast when listening to rock music. And in 1968, there was a study done in Florida, and they found that termites respond well to heavy metal music, and they just chewed faster when they were listening.
6: Oh, dear. <laughs> faster, more efficient destruction of your house yes. if you have you termites see, and yeah, rock music. Yeah, down in heaven. Who knew? <laughs> Let's go way, way back in history now. This is the time of Marco Polo. Marco Polo went to China. What was the thing that confused him the most and astounded him the
5: most? Oh, gosh. China must have blew him away. Oh, what would be the most... I don't know, Bob. Was it a structure? No. Was it... Uh, it was
6: a medium of exchange.
5: They exchanged silk and uh, the, the things they used for money
6: paper money
5: paper they had paper money they
6: had paper money in china and he was just amazed at it you know he got there and he saw so many wonders gunpowder and coal and eyeglasses and porcelain but the thing that astonished him the most was a new invention implemented by kublai khan a grandson of genghis khan uh-huh. paper money introduced in 1260 he thought that kublai khan possessed the secrets of, of magician's because he had the art of producing money
5: it's so fascinating Okay, so here's something a little more arcane. What is the most common colored toothbrush people buy today? I think green or blue. One of those. Blue. Correct. Ding, ding. More people buy blue than any other color. Yay. And red is the second. Really? Yep. And according to Capitol Hill Pediatric Dentists. What? Capitol <laughs> Hill? More people own and use a mobile device than those people who own a toothbrush. What? Yeah. The world has more than 8 billion mobile devices, and only about 3.5 billion people are estimated to use a toothbrush. Oh,
6: this is strange. Yes. That's a strange statistic. That's why
5: I brought in the Capitol Hill pediatric dentist. I'm
6: just hoping (laughs) somehow these people find a toothbrush to brush their teeth. Yeah,
5: that's that's a lot of people not brushing.
6: Okay, I have a question for you on Oscars, okay? Uh Who is the only movie maker who's been nominated in his category in six different decades? The only movie maker who's been nominated in his category in six different decades. So I gave you a clue there. Six different decades. It's a man, six decades, he's still alive.
5: Wow. Okay, give me the decades.
6: The 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s, and 2020s. So that's six decades right there.
5: Somebody like... uh,
6: Somebody who was just nominated again in 2022. I should
5: know that. Spielberg?
6: It was Spielberg. Yeah. He received a Best Director nomination for West Side Story in 2022. His first nomination was for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Was it
5: that long ago?
6: 1977. So he got a nomination for each decade in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and
5: 2020s. Six decades.
6: He's uh, been nominated eight times for the Best Director Award during his career.
5: Well, has he but won, Bob?
6: He won twice for Best Director and one for Best Picture. So
5: uh, we're talking about Spielberg. Yes, uh huh. Okay. Okay, Bob, Australia is Earth's smallest continent, it's closer in size to Greenland than any other continent. So why did geographers decide Australia was a continent instead of an island like Greenland?
6: It has something to do with the continental shelf, I think, doesn't it? It's
5: part of it, but it's not the biggest part. Okay, I don't know. Australia is a much larger landmass than Greenland, roughly 3 million square miles compared to Greenland, which is 836,000 square miles. Okay, But also... Much of Australia's plant and animal life is endemic to the country, including its indigenous people. The aborigines in Australia are found nowhere else in
6: the world. The DNA world. is unique.
5: It is very unique.
6: Just like the animals, too. So unique continent, unique People, unique animals, because we have marsupials there, which are the animals with pouches, yeah. kangaroos and so forth. That is correct. Those are all unique. They can't be found anywhere else on Earth.
5: Yeah, and it's a lot bigger. Hmm. That's why good old uh, Greenland is in the continent.
6: Okay, so we talk big. Let's talk small. What state yeah. has the smallest county by area in the United States? In the United
5: States. Smallest. Tell me what part of the United States. That's East, kind of, west, north. Okay,
6: I'll give you four choices.
5: East, west, north, or south.
6: East? No, no, no. (laughs) Connecticut? Yeah. Texas? Rhode Island or Hawaii? I'll say Hawaii. It is Hawaii. You're right. It's America's smallest county. It's Kalawao County on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. It's small, very small, only 12 square miles in area. This county has a population of just 82 people as of the most recent census. So it's the second smallest county by population, first smallest by size. One of the reasons this county is small and so isolated is it once held a leper colony for a number of years.
5: That would keep it down.
6: Yeah. Victims of what is now known as Hansen's disease.
5: All right. Before MASH, most sitcoms were filmed on stage sets in front of a live audience. To enhance the wartime realism of the show, Exterior and ten shots were shot on location. Where?
6: Southern California.
5: <laughs> it was Malibu. They're oh, ma- no kidding. They did it in the mountains near Malibu. And in October 9, 1982, as the series was wrapping up production, a sweeping brush fire destroyed most of their outdoor sets. Wow. The fire was written into the final episode as being caused by enemy bombs, uh, and that forced the MASH unit to move out. The site today is known as Malibu Creek State Park, and some of the original set locations are still intact and open to visitors. I didn't know that. That's why I'm here, Bob, to enlighten you.
6: Okay, Bob Rickman, I think that's all the trivia we have for today. Back to you and OK
0: Boomer. Well, thank you very much, Bob Smith. And and folks, uh, all the answers I gave you were wrong. That's because uh, I was looking at the wrong program, but that's okay. Just keep, memorize it, and eventually you'll hear all those answers at a future program on OK Boomer with Bob Smith. OK Boomer. Well, I'm sorry. OK Boomer. OK. OK Boomer. OK. OK Boomer. OK. OK Boomer. And that wraps it up. Another OK Boomer. I'm Robert Rickman. Thanks to Roger Ramjet. Kevin Lucas, Anna, Bob and Marsha Smith, and Janice Paul. And also, you can download OK Boomer as a podcast on uh, any podcast platform that you are a member of. Also, we're on Facebook. I'm Robert Rickman, and remember, we all have options.